Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Some things we must understand. As we do understand these things in the Word, and remember that's what the Word imparts is understanding. Uh, I know that some over the years have uh, uh, called the Bible the answer book. Well, I'd agree that there are some answers in there. But I'd like to say more than an answer book, it's a doubt-removing book. A faith-imparting book. Because you may not get the answers to every question that you have, but you can get an understanding that will cause the power of this book to be released into your life, which is the power of God himself. So I want to look, let's go to the book of Acts this morning. Let's look there for just a moment. I want to look at a person, a problem he had, and how God gave him the remedy for that problem, and how that problem also, many of us have, but God's also given us the same remedy, and it's tied directly into the Easter story. Now, if you will, go to the book of Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. I want you to see something here. Now, if you're there in Acts chapter 8, you can go right back up into chapter 7, verse 58. Story of the stoning of a man named Stephen. Wonderful uh, deacon in the church. God used him in the gifts of the Spirit. He just preached a profound message. And the reaction of the crowd was as they cast him out of the city and stoned him. It says in verse 58. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, that's a tough time, wasn't it? Cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses, it says, laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Everybody see that? Everybody say Saul. It says, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He kneeled down and cried out with a loud voice. Notice what he said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Notice his character was so strong in Christ that he's even forgiven the people that are killing him. He says, when he said this, it says he fell asleep. I like that definition, amen. But now notice chapter 8, verse 1. Now this same Saul, notice what it says. And Saul was consenting unto his death. Uh, other translations actually uh, uh, show us that Saul gave his authority. That he was a person standing there that as people begin to pick up stones, they look to him like for a permission. And he gave the nod. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and stone this guy. It says Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was great persecution against the church that was at Jerusalem. They were scattered throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Now notice verse 3. As for Saul, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hailing men and women committed them to prison. Now, I know, you know, prison is not a good place. Amen? Especially if you go there for just believing in Jesus. My goodness, this guy, he's on a rampage. He's consenting to execution of Christians. He's uh, going into, could you imagine the scene of, of the children and the, and the people when they're dragging mom and dad out of the house just for worshiping God and how the, the trauma that must have been to that family, to those children? And not every, not just a few, but it said every house. I mean, he was, uh, he was on a rampage against the church. Amen. This guy, was a, this guy was a bad dude. But now we know the story. He had gathered a bunch of arrest warrants. 
That's what they were. And he had headed off to Damascus. He heard they were having a move of God in Damascus. He's going to stop it. There's always people thinking they're going to stop the move of God. So off goes Saul of Tarshish to stop the move of God. And on his way, I believe because of two things. The prayers of the church, because Jesus said to pray for those that persecute you. So there must have been some prayer taking place. And secondly, he was going through that region in which Jesus did so many miracles before he got to. So people were saying, well, that's where they say he healed blind eyes. That's where he say he cast out a devil. That's where they say he healed some lepers. So the testimony of Jesus was probably being rehearsed. And as he drew near to Damascus, boom, a light shined from heaven. The Bible says brighter than the noonday sun. Knocked him to his knees. And we know that Saul of Tarshish eventually became the Apostle Paul. And God used the Apostle Paul to write down the revelation and the reality that gives us understanding of faith, of who we are in Christ, of redemption, of the government of the local New Testament church, of the ministry of deacon, all kinds of information. God poured it through the life of the Apostle Paul. Now, he had a very dramatic past and the enemy will do everything he can do to try to use your past against you to stop you from receiving the fullness of what God wants you to have and becoming the person that God wants you to be I mean that's his greatest baseball bat against you is to raise up your past failures your past mistakes, your past condition, your past this, your past that. Now, go to 2 Corinthians real quick. Let me show you something. 2 Corinthians. This is a very interesting scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's just look at one scripture in chapter 7. Now, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church there at Corinth. This is his second letter. Now, notice what he writes to the church at Corinth. He says this. Receive us. Everybody say receive us. He says receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. Now listen to that. Listen to that. This is Paul. Saul of Tarshish. The guy consenting to the death of Stephen. The guy that, that wrought havoc in the church. He writes receive us. Or he could write it like this. Receive me. I have wronged no man, I have corrupted no man, I have defrauded no man. Now, if you would have been one of those families in Jerusalem that he drug you out of your house in front of your screaming children, you could say, wait a minute, wait a minute, Paul. Didn't you used to be Saul of Tarshish? You defrauded me. You harmed me. You've hurt me. You've done something to me that I'm having a hard time to deal with. But you have to understand that the Apostle Paul saw much more than, than, than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, by the Holy Ghost, painted a beautiful portrait of Jesus' birth, of his life after his anointing by the Holy Ghost, three and a half years of miracle ministry, a beautiful portrait of the Last Supper, of his death upon the cross, of his burial, of his resurrection, and of his ascension to the right hand of the Father. They painted a portrait. But the Apostle Paul didn't paint a portrait. The Apostle Paul gave us an x-ray. He showed us in the spirit realm the reality of what these things mean. 
He showed and said things to people that I guarantee you Peter and John and Matthew and some of those other guys had a hard time with. Even Peter himself in his last letter, Second Peter said, now we need to listen to some of the things that Paul is saying, but they are hard to receive. Now, while you're in Corinthians, go to 1 Corinthians real quick. 1 Corinthians, let me find it here. I believe it's chapter, chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. Now, 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 Paul is speaking to us, to the church at Galveston as well as the church at Corinth. He says in verse 17, 1 Corinthians, verse 17, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Now notice this, verse 17, no, that was, excuse me, that was verse 18. Verse 17 says, for, the, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. I was getting ahead of myself. Verse 18 says, for the preaching of the cross is unto them that perish foolishness, but unto us it is the what? It is the power of God. Let me read that in the Amplified. Verse 17 in the Amplified. For Christ the Messiah sent me not to baptize. That means, you know, I'm not here just to perform an ordinance of the church. That's what water baptism is, was an ordinance of the church. Water baptism does not save you. Let me try that again. Water baptism, baptism does not save you. If you've been water baptized and not born again, then you went down into the water a dry sinner and came up a wet one. That's all water baptism does for you. But you must be born again. Then once you're born again, there are two ordinances of the church that should be unique to your Christian experience, and that is water baptism and communion. We receive communion here on Friday night. Had a beautiful communion service here on Friday night. Amplified says, For Christ the Messiah sent me not to baptize, but to evangelize by preaching the glad tidings of the gospel, that not with, excuse me, that that not with verbal eloquence, least the cross of Christ should be deprived of force and emptied of its power and rendered vain, fruitless, void of virtue and of no effect. For the story, the message of the cross is sheer absurdity and folly to those that perish and those that are on their way to perdition. But to us who are being saved, it is the manifestation Of the power of God. So that raises up the question. Well, well, Pastor Rusty, don't we always celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ at Easter? Yes, we do. I've got good news. The stone is rolled away. And the tomb is empty. But everything Jesus did in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to the right hand of the Father has released power that we should experience. Not power that we should talk about. Not power just for the sweet by and by. Not power just for the sake of heaven. But power for the sake of us who are saved and are being saved. You say, now what do you mean by that term? Well, literally you're born again one time out of the human family into God's family. And in the process of the rest of your life here on earth, you are being saved are showing forth that separation from the human family and that addition to you're now in God's family. There are benefits. There are evidences. Now, notice what he says again in the King James. 
for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto, unto us which are, which are saved, it is the power of God. Now, go if you will to Romans. This is the last scripture we'll look at here. Go to Romans chapter 6. Now, here's one of those scriptures that Paul wrote that those other guys had a hard time with. Notice what he writes here in verse 6 of Romans chapter 6. Romans 6, 6 says this, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now notice verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if you're free from sin, you're free from all the effects of sin. Notice the term again. For that he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, there's another scripture. You don't have to turn there. Let me expound on this for just a few moments. Another scripture over in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says this. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved and gave himself for me. Now, if I was to title this message, it would be the power of the cross. Now, I know that many of the ladies, I know that I've bought, I think I've probably bought Leah two or three uh, crosses, pieces of jewelry. Uh, you can go to any jewelry store, uh, just about, and you'll find a section in which they have crosses. Now, think about this. What is a cross? A cross is an implementation or it is a device of execution. No, no, come on. It'd be like wearing a noose around your neck. Or how about a little electric chair around your neck? Or I guess they, 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 they give people the syringe. Now, wearing a little syringe around your neck. Did you know that's what the cross is? A place of execution. But now, could you imagine the reaction of Peter? When he read that letter to the Galatians or this letter to the Romans in which the Apostle Paul talked about the old man being crucified with Christ, or himself, Paul himself saying, I was crucified with Christ. And then Peter or John or Matthew or any of the others, James, would say, now wait a minute, wait a minute. I was there. I was there at the cross, and there was Jesus, and there was a thief, and a thief. What do you mean you were crucified with Christ? What do you mean? Well, here's what he means. He's showing us in the Spirit the reality of what the cross was for those that accept the power of it. Now, Adam's family, the human family, created by God, put into a beautiful garden. We know the serpent crept in. Uh, it usurped the spiritual authority, went around the man, went to the woman. Uh, the, the, the woman brought the fruit to the man. The man, they both ate thereof and they fell. And when, man, when the man and the woman fell, they died. But there's no scripture in the Bible that says when they ate the fruit, they fell over dead. So that death must not have been physical death. We know by scripture, because the Bible is progressive revelation, that the death they experienced in the eating of the fruit was spiritual death. The word death as it relates to the human experience does not mean the cessation of life. Uh, have you ever killed a house plant? 
by watering it too much? Well, maybe there's a plant in heaven. I don't know, but most of them just go in the garbage. You know, the life ceased to exist. But every time you hear the word death, when it relates to the human experience, think of the word separation. So man in the garden died spiritually. It took his body hundreds of years to catch up. Finally, spiritual death caught up with the human body and produced something called physical death. Physical death is the spirit being separated from the body. Now let me say this. I've said this at funerals and I always get funny looks. But you've got to understand it's true. It's reality. You were not created to die. There's something in humanity that resists death. Think of the billions of dollars that's been UTMB, the medical center up in Houston. Uh, 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 what is it? The MD Anderson, uh, uh, Luke's, uh, St. Luke's Hospital, Methodist Hospital, the Children's Hospitals, the Shriners Burn. There's something in humanity that recoils and resists death in whatever form it comes. Listen, you can be in an accident and there could be just the slightest heartbeat and we'll take you and we'll hook you up to every machine. We'll give you every kind of medication. We'll fight and we'll fight and we'll fight for one more heartbeat one more breath I mean you've actually got to sign a piece of paper today if you've got an elderly loved one and they, they were to go into cardiac arrest or begin, to, uh, begin to die and pass away you've got to sign a piece of paper one of those uh, no resuscitation papers or else they'll try to bring them back man hates death why does man hate death he was not created to die Physical death came about because of spiritual death. Then there's the third type of death unique to the human experience, and that's eternal death. That's what happens to an individual who is born spiritually dead into the human family that experiences physical death. They go to a place of eternal separation from God. That's why we have Island Church. We don't want any person... On this planet, on this island, in this county, in this state, in this nation, or in this world, to die a physical death while they're spiritually dead. Because if they do, they go to hell. So it's not being good or bad. It's not being saying, well, I'm a good person. Doesn't make any difference. There are a lot of good people in hell. I said, there is. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. So let's go back to Paul. This guy's he's, he's a character, man. He's, you know. Peter's saying, now wait a second, Paul. You say you're crucified with Christ. I was there. But Paul's saying, I saw something you didn't see. Now, let's just for a moment meditate. Everybody say meditate. We can do that as individuals. We can do that as a congregation. That means to kind of turn some things over. Think about them. Do you think that the devil, Satan, Lucifer, the adversary of God, do you think he ever tormented Paul with his past? Who are you to preach the gospel? Who are you to lay hands on the sick? Why, you can still hear ringing in your ears the screams of the children as you drag their parents out of the house. Remember the face of Stephen as you stood there in your so-called authority and allowed him to be murdered. And others... I imagine it just made him just a miserable wreck thinking about his past. Just like the enemy does you, bringing up your past, who you used to be, 
what you used to do, where you used to go. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. You're not holy. You're not righteous. Who are you to think you should receive healing? Who are you to think you should receive prophecy? Who are you to think that God would do anything for you whatsoever? Could you imagine what that must have been like for Saul of Tarsus? Actually, the, the history of his name change was Saul of Tarsus was Hebrew, but he was also a Roman. And because of being a Roman citizen, he had a Roman name. So instead of going by Saul of Tarsus, when he began to travel the world, he began to go by his Roman name, which was Paul. So I can see him one day on his knees praying about this. He was obviously a man of prayer, a man of the Spirit. He had visions, he had revelation. And I can see God show him the cross. And on the cross there hangs who? Jesus. Our Lord and our Savior. And sure, you can get emotional. Sure, you can get uh, uh, sad or happy or joyful. Weep tears of joy. And you look at the cross and you think about, man, because of the cross, hallelujah, I can be saved. I can be healed. I can go to heaven. I don't have to go to hell. But then God says, you know, you're dealing with some problems here. Saul of Tarsus. You're trying to be Apostle Paul, but Saul of Tarsus keeps rising up. Keeps rising up. And so the Lord says, look a little closer. You're just seeing the portrait. You're just seeing the painting. You're just seeing the, 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 the story that was told about his death. Look closer. See past the veil of the flesh. See into the spirit. That's why he prayed in Ephesians. That the eyes of our understanding being lightened. See, our spiritual eyes must be opened on a perpetual basis. Look into the spirit. What do you see now? And he looks into the spirit realm, and he does not see the apostle Paul, but he sees Saul of Tarsus, the enemy of the church, the hater of Jesus, the one consenting to the murder of a saint. He sees him where? Hanging on the cross. So an identification took place. And God provided for the Apostle Paul something that what? Separated him from who he used to be, Saul of Tarsus. What separates? What separates? Now, let me just, let me just take a minute. You know, the devil, bless his heart, he's been playing catch up for years and he's never caught up. He's a dumb devil. Everybody say, dumb devil. People say, don't say that, don't say that. No, he needs to know he's a dumb devil. The Bible says if the princes of this world would have known, they would have never crucified, what's crucifixion? The providing of a death. They would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Because remember, there was the first Adam. We talked about master copy when we talked on redemption. Uh, in, in our service today, we'll produce a CD. If you desire one of those CDs, you can go back to the tape room and they'll take the master copy and they'll put it where the master copy goes and then they'll print you out a copy. But you have to have the master copy to print the copy. Adam was the master copy for humanity. He got flawed. He got messed up. He went into sin. Iniquity got him. Then he reproduced after his own kind. Where that Adam was the first white man, black man, Asian man, Oriental man, you name it. He was the first one. He was the prototype for all of humanity. And when he sinned, he sinned for us all. Thus we are all born into sin or we're born dead. Separated from God. 
Now I see several little babies. You say, what about these little babies? They're born innocent. They're born innocent. All little children are born innocent. You say, what if a little baby were to die? It goes straight to heaven, back to its original location. God doesn't kill innocent children. Never has, never will. But at one point, that little baby going to grow up. That little baby going to come to a place of decision. And because he is spiritually separated from God, he will decide on the part of spiritual death. You don't have to teach him how to steal. You don't have to teach him how to curse. You don't have to teach him how to lie. You don't have to teach him none of that stuff. It just comes natural. So what did God need? God needed a new master copy. The last Adam. Born where? Of the seed of the woman, which identifies him with humanity. And of the word of God, which identifies him with God. So you've got a man that is 100% deity as well as 100% humanity standing in the person of Jesus. And because he is the last Adam, the law of assumption is unique to him. So upon the cross, beginning actually in the garden, as he began to weep, as it were, great drops of blood began to come down his face. As they put a crown of thorns upon him, as they pulled his beard and spat upon him, as they beat him with a cat of nine tails, as they did all of that torturous things to him, as he hung on the cross, the Bible says in Isaiah, when you looked on him, you couldn't even tell he was a human being. He began to assume, everybody say assume. He began to bring to himself, like a magnet to metal. He was wounded for our transgressions. All of our sin. He was bruised for our iniquity. All our motivation to break the laws of God. Coming on here. All of it. The chastisement of our peace. Anything which disturbs the peace of the soul, the mind, the emotions, the will. Anything begins to come on him. Are you with me? By his stripes... Every sickness, every disease, from the common cold to AIDS to cancer, you name it, every sickness, every disease, he became all of that. He became sin for us. The Bible says he was made sin. He who knew no sin was made. So he did. And where's that happening? Where's that happening? Where's that happening? On the cross. Are you with me? All your sin, all your iniquity. All your unrighteousness, all your poverty, all your addictions, all your anxiety, all your woe, whatever it may be. He's got it. Now he's got it. Now he's got it. Then he says this, he says this word. It is finished. Now, now some people say, well, that was, the, that was the old covenant. We know that's not the old covenant because when he appeared before Mary and Magdalene, he said, don't touch me. You say, why did he say don't touch me? Because he said later in the next scripture, I've not yet ascended, which means he's not gone and poured his blood on the mercy seat, which brings to an end the old covenant. What was finished? When he said, it is finished, what was finished was assuming everything, gathering everything, pulling to himself everything that was wrong with the human family. You name it, prejudice and hate, divorce, all that kind of separations in the family, all the rebellion, everything that's wrong with you, man. He's pulling, and now he's got it. Now he's got it. Can you imagine the load of that? Can you imagine? That's why no man could ever die for you. That's why no man could ever die for you. So he's on the cross. Are you with me? He's suffering more than any man's ever suffered. He's suffering with the weight of that. Then he cries out, it is finished. I've got it all. 
I've got it all. I've got it all. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Then he does what? He dies. What is death? For the preaching of the cross is unto them that perish foolishness. But unto us that are saved, it is the power. You say, now what power is that? When Jesus died, he separated you from everything that was wrong with you from your first birth. Everything that's wrong with you because you are in the human family. Everything that's wrong with you because of your first birth. Jesus said, I have taken it. He says, I'm not a restorer. I'm not into the restoration business. You know, we got these, these reality shows where they fix up everything from old cars to, uh, uh, to old furniture. And they, fix, take, they take what's old and they clean it up and they fix it up. But it's still old on the inside. It's just got a new coat of paint, some new tires. You with me? God said, that ain't good enough for me. That ain't good enough for me. The human family needs a place to die. See, humanity can provide itself with a death, but it cannot provide itself with a resurrection. So God said, I will come and I will get in human form and I will get on the cross and I will die, which will separate them from sin, from iniquity, from sickness, disease, addiction, unrighteousness, prejudice, hate, worry, fear, addiction. You name it, I'll break them free. Then I'll rise from the dead so that I can come and make sure to implement everything I have provided for them through my word so that they can enjoy the full effects. He that is dead is, what did you say in Romans 6? Freed from sin. If you're freed from sin, you're freed from all the effects of sin. If you are dead. See, a lot of you just ain't dead enough yet. There's advantages to being dead. You take a guy in a coffin. He used to be an alcoholic. You walk up to him with a big old bottle of scotch whiskey and say, I'm going to pour you a big old drink. He'll just lay there. (laughs) You take a drug addict and you get his favorite drug and you start preparing it and get it ready and say, here we go. Let's take this drug. He'll just lay there. He's He's dead to it. You say, listen, I hear you're two months behind on your mortgage. He won't worry. He's dead to worry. You say, I'll tell you what. I hear there's the swine flu going to hit this summer. He'll just lay there. You say, wow, he's dead the swine flu. He's dead to everything. He's separated from it. And most miserable people on the earth are people that have gotten saved and they're doing everything to resuscitate the old man. A little, little, little sin here, a little worry here, a little this there. A little, can I just keep my... No, no. Go ahead and reckon yourself dead. You're not the person you used to be. Tell your relatives, I'm dead. Tell your neighbors, I'm dead. Tell your friends, I'm dead. That person is dead. He died on the cross with Jesus so that I can be a person that lives with a life that God has provided for me. And people say, well, how does that work? It's very simple. The way everything in the kingdom works, you begin to believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth. I remember 30 years ago, I was uh, blessed to be able, just uh, Thursday I think it was, I was able to, uh, they asked me to come preach a little message, a graduation message for a drug program up at the uh, county courthouse. And so I shared a little bit of my testimony and a little bit of what I went through after I first came back to the Lord and the fight that I was in. And, you know, the temptations that would come back 
And, you know, people are always, you know, they, they, they'll bring people, your old, your old crowd, the old lifestyle. All of they'll come back, knock on your door, call you on the phone. And it's amazing the deals they have for you once you get saved. <laughs> Everybody that ever owed you anything wants to pay you, you know. And so I was having some problems. I needed to die. So I got some teaching on redemption. And I remember in my ignorance, I didn't know a whole lot, but I knew this. If I'd believe it in my heart and confess it with my mouth, it'd work for me. And I remember day after day after week after week after month after month after year after year, I'd walk up and down in my prayer closet saying, I thank you, Father. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I believe in the power of the cross. I am dead to drugs. I am dead to perversion. I am dead to poverty. I am dead to sickness and disease. I am dead. Christ has provided a death for me. It has separated me from all that garbage and now I live a brand new life in Christ Jesus. I still do it to this day. I glorify. Paul said we preach Christ and we preach him what? Crucified. It begins with the separation. A lot of people are trying to live by the life that comes through the resurrection having not yet been separated from who they used to be. But Pastor Leah read the scripture this morning. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? A new creature. You ain't changed. You say, honey, when I got saved, I got changed. No, you didn't. You got made brand new in Christ. Now, for the first time in your life, God put a great big old no in you. You say, what do you mean a no? You can go over and say, no to sin. No to that addiction. No to that alcoholism. No to that perversion. Then he put another great big yes in you. You come and say, yes to the word. Yes to prayer. Yes to church. Yes to living right. Yes to living holy. He put a big no in you and put a big yes in you where the devil had them reversed. Well, you'd go over there and say yes to the drugs and yes to the alcohol and yes to the perversion and no to the church and no to living right and no to God just reversed them, but then he gave you power. Supernatural spiritual power. So that cross means a whole lot more than just a place. Could you imagine Paul as he began to look and see himself crucified with Christ and begin to recognize all of that wickedness, all of that hurt, all of that pain that Saul of Tarsus caused is gone. Now I can legally say I have wronged no man I have harmed no man. I have defrauded no man. And I can preach the gospel boat. Isn't it an amazing fact that God didn't use Peter or John or any of those other disciples that walked with him to reveal the depth of the reality of what the resurrection and the cross and the power of God and the gifts of the Spirit and faith and all these. He used somebody who was completely disqualified. You say, why? So that the wisdom of this world would be fooled by the wisdom of God. Because that's the way God does it. And it's through the simplicity of preaching that men and women get saved. That they find out who they are in Christ. That they discover their destiny and their calling in God. That's why it's so important that we gather. So Paul said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. As is the manner of some. Even more so as the days grow. Don't let it just be a one service on Easter. Are you being saved? You may be saved, but are you being saved? Are you just struggling with the everyday problems that the old man used to deal with? Well, I got good news for you. God has provided a place for you to die. 
And that is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's enough power in that to separate you from anything you ever did, anybody you used to be, so that you can become what God desires you to be and live the life He's called you to live. And when you begin to do that, you talk about glorious. How many have had some glory times in your journey in life? You talk about, you begin to see, I'm not that person. I don't think like I used to think. I don't react like I used to react. I don't act like I used to act. I don't have the same desires I used to have. I am a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold. That word behold means look and see. All things are new. Thank God for the cross. It was not just a Jewish man suffering. Because you've got to understand, folks, they killed tens, hundreds of thousands of people hung on the cross. But one person did. That was not like anybody else. He was the son of God. And because of him. You can remain a human being. That is a partaker. Of the divine nature. The divine nature isn't broke. The divine nature isn't sick. The divine nature isn't poor. The divine nature isn't depressed. And Peter himself said. By the precious promises of God. We are partakers of the divine nature. And you show up in life as what? I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved and gave himself for me. Letters to street people, the hippie Bible says this, it's just Jesus barring my body. And you live as Jesus would here on the earth. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you this morning. We glorify your name. We thank you that you provided a way in which we can die to the old life, die to self, die to addictions, die to mindsets, die to prejudice and hate and everything that's wrong with the human experience of the human family. And that we can rise to the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ and live life in abundance according to that which God has provided for us in Christ. Oh, how can we ever thank you Lord, a million, billion, zillion years from now, our praises will still rise to you for this wonderful reality of the power that the cross has produced. Father, we thank you for it. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. Let me ask you a question. Where are you with God this morning? Maybe you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never experienced the power of the cross. Oh, I tell you, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. God is so good. We used to sing an old song in Pentecost years ago. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. Now I'm happy all the day. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Rusty, I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. I need to get right with God. I don't want to walk out of this church on Easter Sunday, not knowing I'm right with God. I want to be right with God this morning. Please pray for me, Pastor. If that's you, lift your hand right now. Anyone at all, lift your hand up high. Let us see. We see those hands back there. You can put them down once you've raised them. Another hand over here. Anyone else? Another hand here. Another hand there. God bless you. Another hand. You can put them down once you've raised them. You don't have to raise it a second time. Pray with me, church, just a moment. Pray with me just a moment. Or there others would say, that's me, Pastor. You know, in my spirit, I hear this. I hear this. Well, Pastor, you, that might be good for you, but you don't know what I've done. You can never weigh the weight of your sin against the power of redemption. Your sin is so small. Your sin is so weak. 
Your sin is so insignificant compared to the power of the cross and the power of the blood that's on the mercy seat. Don't ever use your sin as an excuse not to come to God. That's not a relevant excuse. It's not. God accepts you just as you are. There was the thief on the one side of Jesus. He was a thief, caught, convicted, and condemned to death. He could not get down off of that cross. He could not go and live a lifestyle worthy unto that which he was fixing to receive. He could never do it. But Jesus said, because you've recognized who I am, I say unto you this day, you shall be with me in paradise. Showing that the mercy of God is greater than any sin that could ever be committed on this planet. So I'm going to ask one more time. If you've not raised your hand and you need to be right with God this morning, please don't look away from the light that's shining for you this morning. One more time, if you've not raised your hand and you need to raise your hand and be right with God this morning, lift your hand right now. Anyone else, quickly. Anyone else, quickly. We see another hand over there. God bless you. God bless you. Now everybody look this way. I'm going to ask the church to stand in just a moment. They're going to stand. They're going to begin to give a great applause. That applause is not for the beautiful music or for the preaching. That applause is for you that have lifted your hand. It is an exhortation. It is an exhortation. It's saying to you, go down there. Pray with pastor. That's how it starts. Do it publicly. Jesus died publicly. He did it so that you could be born again. So you could be forgiven of sin. So that you could have brand new life. So church, would you stand and give all these people a big hand clap? Don't patty cake. Clap them down to the altar this morning. Come on, every person that raised their hand. Come on, every person come to the altar this morning. Every person that raised their hand, come to the altar. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Come stand right here. Come stand right here and face me. Come stand right here and face me. Come on, every person, every person that raised their hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, every person. Don't be ashamed or afraid. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, brother. Come on. Come on, sister. Come on, give them a hand clap this morning. Come on, stand right here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, 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 just a moment, just a moment. Others that would come, come on, come on, come on real quick. Give them a hand clap. Hallelujah. Now, 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 hold on, church. Be real still, be real still. This is the mo- most important time of the service, so I ask you not to leave. We'll, we'll be dismissed in just a moment. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to come. Listen, when God turns the light of mercy on, it's time to respond. Don't leave out of here today. You say, why are you saying that? Well, I, I don't know. Something in my spirit just says, don't leave out of here today. Not knowing that you're, not, that you're right with God. God wants you to know that you're right with Him. Life's too short. Devil's too mean. The world system's too unpredictable. Come on, give her a hand clap as she comes. Amen. The world's too unpredictable. So, so one more time, I'm going to ask you, if you need to come and you didn't raise your hand, or maybe you raised your hand and you didn't, come right now. Anyone else? Anyone else? Come on right now. Come on. We love you. We don't want to make... Come on. Come on, brother. Come on. Come on right now. Now, here's how simple it is. It's so simple. It's so simple. The most powerful thing you possess... It's not money in a bank account. Not some weapon that you would have. The most powerful thing you possess. Do you know what it is? It's your words. Do you know you can take your words, go outside this building, tear your life up in five minutes. 
In the same way, you can use your words to build it back up. You know why your words are so valuable? Because you're made in the likeness and image of God. God is a God of His Word. And God made likeness and image. You are a person of your Word. This morning, I know, because you came to this altar, you are taking God at His Word, aren't you? Aren't you? Aren't you? Aren't you? Taking God at His Word. God is going to take you at your Word. You say, why do you emphasize that? The reason is because human thinking would think, let me go out. Give me a week. Give me two weeks. Give me a month, preacher. Give me a month, preacher. And I'll go prove to everybody I can clean myself up. Ha <laughs> ha, right. I tried that for years. It never worked. You come to Jesus just as you are. And you trust Him just as you are. That everything is going to be made okay. Are you with me? So what we're going to do today, because He gave us His Word, we're going to give Him our Word. And then when we finish praying, we're going to settle it. I gave God my Word. That means I'm going to live for God. It means I'm going to pray. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm giving Him my word. Amen? Church, you going to help us pray? Everybody out loud. Out loud so your own ears can hear what your mouth says. Heavenly Father, right now, openly and publicly, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord, my Savior. Heavenly Father, I believe you sent your Son, Jesus. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead. He did it all for me so that I could have life. So that I could get out of the human family. Get into God's family. Heavenly Father, I ask for your forgiveness. You know my weakness. You know my inability. But my faith is in your blood. And today, your blood cleanses me of all sin and all unrighteousness. As I stand at the altar of Island Church, April 20th, 2014, I am born again. I am right with God. My sins are forgiven. I am dead to the world, to the flesh, to my mind, and to the devil. I rise in resurrection power. I will never, ever be the same in Jesus' name. Now lift your hands and thank God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, look at me just a minute. Three simple things. Number one, this book. Honey, this is a book here. I was talking to my daughter the other day. She goes to a Christian school and she was saying some things about, they said about, and I said, you know, that book, all the other books in the world are written to your head. This book's written to your heart. That's God talking to you. He'll talk to you every day if you'll open up his word and read it. Secondly, talk to God. It's so simple. It's called prayer. Don't complicate it. Just talk to me or someone. Just go, God, look, help me. Help me, Jesus. Amen. Pray, talk to God. Third, family. Everybody say family. family. Not your natural family. Not your human family. Not your male family. Not your female family. Not your black, Hispanic, white, oriental, Asian family. Your spiritual family. That's called church. Every Christian needs a church. Let me tell you the price that Jesus paid for the church. He purchased it with his blood. Blood-bought church. We're a blood-bought church. Come, I'll teach you the Word. I'll teach you the Word. I'll lay hands on you when you're sick. I'll rejoice with you when God blesses you. We'll help you find your calling, your destiny. 
We'll do everything we can do to get the word in you so you can live the life of an overcomer. Amen. Praise God. Lucio, wave at us. Brother Lucio and some of the others have some free stuff for you. Go if you will. Give them a hand clap as they go. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, give them a big hand clap this morning. Don't patty cake. Hallelujah. Come on, rejoice. Glory to God. How many did we have in the early services? We had three or four in the early service and 12. We have that's what, 15, 16, 17, 18 people born again. Or come back and come up, coming back to the, and the, somebody lift their hands and thank God for that. Come on, lift your hands and thank God for that. Lord, we thank you that your word is so powerful. We thank you, Father. Now we pray over all of these today that have made a decision for Jesus, whether they're getting saved for the first time or whether they're coming back to the Lord. We pray blessing on them. We pray revelation on them. We pray, we pray deliverance on them. And we say in the name of Jesus, devil, you will not steal the fruit of the resurrected Savior in Jesus' name. Now don't forget as you, as you exit, all of the visitors, stop by the visitor center and get your free gift. Don't forget your barbecue dinners. And also, somebody said the Easter Bunny's here, so you might want to stop by and see them. So praise God, if you've got a child and you want your picture taken with it, praise God. He said, come on, that's not right. Yeah, come on, everybody loosen up. Everybody loosen up, amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you today for your anointing, for your great blessing. Lord, as we always do, we rejoice in the protection and safety afforded us by the Word of God, declaring that there shall no evil befall us, neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling place. Rejoicing that you, Lord, give angels charge over us. Therefore, as we travel on the streets and highways, uh, Lord, on the airways, the seaways, and the railways of this world, of this nation, of this city, and of this state, we call ourselves protected by Almighty God. Thank you, Father. In the righteous labor of our hands, whether we work in the medical field, petrochemical field, construction, uh, real estate, uh, whether we work as a, uh, any type of educational administrator, teacher, student, or any other righteous labor of our hands, whether it be our own business or working for someone else. We are not subject to the trauma, the terror released upon this earth through a wicked devil and evil men, but we are kept safe. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And we declare that we walk on serpents and scorpions over all power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm us. So, Father, as we leave this place today, we thank you for a great door of utterance we have. Let each and every one of us be a witness for you this week. Let us love the unloved, reach the unreached, touch the untouched. Freely have we received, freely we will give. Lord, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you. Thank you that you love us so much. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you that you've given us Island Church. And we leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood. Empowered by the Word. Anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember... But keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.